This is the Product Innovation Show with your guest host, Sergey Ross. Usually Aram runs these, but it's me today. Uh, and not just me, I have a Chief Product Officer from Storytap here, Sean Brax, who joins me from Vancouver. Sean was in product for a long, well, really long time, since 2004, according to his LinkedIn. And he's also an accidental full stack developer, as he calls himself. And what Storytap does, it's as that they basically help enterprise brands give their customers a voice by sharing personalized video stories to increase brand engagement and conversions. Sean, thank you for coming. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be uh, be here and, and talk with you. Accidental full stack developer. We got to start with this one. How did that happen? <laughs> That's a good question. I think um, my my career was mainly in product product management. Um, got into some product design, and I think I just got more and more curious about how the product was actually built and, and wanted to get my hands into it. Um, but it really it really started when I started my first business, Wise Learning. Um, I was looking at hiring a developer, and I couldn't find the, the right person at the you know the right cost. And I thought, well, I could probably learn this too. And and so that's kind of how I got my hands dirty, and you know, kept learning technology. And and you know, that was PHP. Did some Swift apps for for iOS. Now JavaScript, and and I do more developing now than than product. So it's it's been kind of a, a switch. Uh, I fell into that, you know, like I said, accidentally. But it's been a really fun transition. What was the, um, do you remember still the day of uh, you actually going on launching the course or trying to code? What was, do you, do you still remember the trigger? Like, that's it, I'm doing it. That's a good question. I feel like, like I said, it was a slippery slope because before this, I started playing around with WordPress, which, you know, is kind of like the gateway drug into to web development because it's really easy. You can make changes. You start with, you know, some HTML, some CSS. There's a little bit of JavaScript. You, you break a plugin, trying to trying to add some sort of feature. Um, and, and so that was kind of like me learning a little bit. I think one of the key things with web development is there's so many things to learn. You're never going to know it all at once. Databases, you know, hosting, you know, DevOps, Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. So I feel like there's so many black boxes around you. You kind of come in, and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna like learn this, and then you, you you start learning more and more and more, and 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 unlocking those black boxes. And that's still happening for me today. When you know, I'm thinking about some really complex functions. It's like, well, I've kind of understood how that works, but now I I understand it further. So with with web and with technology in general you just need enough to grok it right it's like i right. get it enough that i can make it work and then i will learn more as i need how did the whole um you started working with the code how did the whole relationship with the engineers change as a, as a pm because i think that's uh that's like the big benefit that you get yeah that's a, a good question i so the, the the like me becoming more and more involved in technology i think as a pm this was near the end of my, my time at Cook Mobile, and it, it gives you a bit more empathy for, for you know, what they're working on and understanding the challenges that technology faces. It's like, that feature might be really quick, it's, you know, it's, it, it seems complex, and on the other hand, it could be a really uh, seemingly easy thing that you're like, actually, that's going to be a huge pain in the butt. Like, I have things like that that are on my backlog right now that it's like, I'd love to do that, and it seems simple, but that's like, because of the way the database structured or whatever it might be, it's, it's very difficult. So I think it builds that empathy for sure. And I think you had a story of, um, uh, was it an argument with a, with the developer? Like, like this is how, like about the feature that you tried yourself. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was there one or maybe, uh, maybe I'm just butchering it. Like from our previous conversation, um, when you like, when you're in the debate with a developer, 
like does something come up with like hey like we can't do this or this will take that amount of time you're like that can't be true like i know exactly how much time it takes yeah i think it definitely it allows you to cut through uh, sandbagging as well um but also sometimes it's not a developer being purposely sandbagging or spiteful but it's maybe not clearly defining the requirements or defining them in a specific way where the developer is like well if you want me to build this in that way yes it will take a week but if i understood the requirements better in that you actually needed it like not quite like that it could have been done in a little bit of a different way yeah i could solve it like this in a day or an hour so um, having both the product and the technical mindset and bringing those together it allows you to really think about the solutions in a more creative way sometimes and for the product for a product person like the whole the purpose pretty much is to translate the technical into the customer and vice versa so like if you don't really know the fundamentals of the code which is the technical part then by definition you you have to rely on the interpretation of the developer which becomes over complicated over engineered by default yeah i think it, it does a few things um for one as you understand technology better it allows you to better understand like what you can do with it so if a customer is saying hey i'd love to be able to do this you know like well this this can be done or hey there's this new thing coming that we can now take advantage of so so you can leverage new things potentially um you can also be aware of like i said challenges where it's like hey this is gonna be be really hard or um if if you again take that product mindset when you're building a database and we're you know i'll give you kind of like a practical example and it's like right well we know we're going to need to pull some data from this new feature we're building um and and so we need to do some logging to make sure that, that the feature is working and all that but if you know the kind of data ahead of time like this is the kind of thing that i think i would be wanting to know about this feature you're going to design it and architecture it differently so there's that synergy again between product and technology coming together and so if you can understand the product as a developer and you can understand the um the technology as a product person you're going to be able to to make sure that those things sync up and, and you build better things at the start because the challenge is building code takes a long time um it, it's it's the most expensive part of of a feature Absolutely. like you can design things that's really easily right. mock, mock them up but but actually building it and then unfortunately having to change it is really costly so the closer you can get to to being what you need up front is gonna you know save you tons of time and and money which is the whole you know challenge of a startup how hard it is to resist for you to start jumping into building something uh when you know how to code <laughs> that, that's a good question i think um that's where prioritize like that ruthless prioritization and being able to put on like your high level hat is important um th there is this danger of well we could just go build let's just go build lots of things but you need to really really like ask yourself like what is the most valuable thing i can work on today or the most valuable thing our team can work on today and that's going to adjust as the the company's vision and the company's priorities change so th there is this constant like rejigging of like okay well this you know given some new contracts we've got or whatever that might be this actually needs to take priority even though we really want to work on this because it's cool and it'll be fun and it'll you know it'll look great for for whatever purpose it's like no no we need to focus on on this so i think that ruthless prioritization and and re uh reevaluating of your priorities is so important what uh would you say to product managers product directors who want to be better and on the technical side do they take courses do they try to build something like what do they what would be the something they could do to actually 
like get a get a head start yeah that's a good question i feel like i i learn by doing i don't i don't love taking courses uh so so it really depends on on how you learn but for me it's really been again that that whole think about there, there's there's gonna be tons of stuff you don't know about technology uncovering little bits at a time it's like okay well that's a black box to me that's a black box to me i don't understand how this works it's like taking the most important one, maybe the simplest one, uncovering it, learning about it. That might be working with your engineers to kind of like say like, hey, like I'd love to learn a little bit more about this. Uh, and I think you want to encourage that sort of mindset on your team. I know I have worked on teams where I was told, you know, stick to your knitting. Don't don't go like, like I wanted to, to dig into some of the code. It's like, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's like, but, but there is such a value in learning that. Like we talk about the kind of T structure of of expertise, so right. you know, being very wide and being deep in one area, but but the the wider that you're gonna have that experience, the the easy, the better it is to understand. You're gonna have empathy on like how an engineer works, the challenges they have, and so the more you understand about what they're working on, it doesn't mean you can necessarily do their job, and you can't, you know, but but it is gonna give you better understanding of what you can do, the challenges they face, that sort of thing. Mm. So you feel just go do something versus actually spend time on courses by and large there are some like i don't i think there can be some helpful courses but again the the unique challenges or the way that your your system is built is going to be different than others and so if you can apply that quickly to a practical problem like like again for me i i love learning things that are practical so right. the the things that i learned for my first startup and, and here at storytap and i probably will keep learning are going to be things that that apply to things i'm working on and it's like okay i do this and I got that result rather than, well, I did this course and I understand it theoretically, but like, I don't know how I'm going to translate that to a, a real solution necessarily. So in quick mobile, you had, what was it? 60 engineers or 60 people and no product manager. Like how did that, how, how does it, how does that function? I'm just like, I can't imagine that. <laughs> that yeah. That, so I, I came in, I think part of that is just when, when you grow rapidly as a company, um, sometimes, it, you know, it's just kind of like all hands on deck getting things done. And so the the product was an app for conferences and events. You would, you know, especially for, for big enterprises. So they're going to have a big event. They need an right. app that's customized for them. They have this, you know, um, product that gets customized per, per company, per brand, per, per event. Um, but you got to remember, this is like kind of earlier days of mobile. So you've got your Android, like you got your iOS. 2006, right? 2005, 2006? No, this is a little newer. Sorry, this is 20, what was it? So this is 2011, 2012. Okay, so not, not, not super so, late. So not, early. well, almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of like, you know, being able to develop on one one platform and or, or develop one line, like one code base and, and distribute to multiple platforms that was still fairly nascent so you've got ios you've got android um there's web there was i think windows phone i think we might even been doing some some things like that so keeping all those those products aligned um is challenging and as a product manager you know you do want some some parity between those platforms uh obviously understanding that each of them is a little bit different especially as you get more into like camera and other sorts of features right. like that so um it was a lot of like kind of corralling it's like okay like where do we do it what, what like how does this even work just just understanding the product so a lot of it was really like that fact finding trying to figure that out trying to align them and get an idea of where you're at so then you can define and say like this is where we want to go because if you don't even know where you're at you, you can't really set a, a clear roadmap for where you're going and you were the first pm there 
I was, yes. And so you, so you joined. Uh, there's got to be some mayhem going on, pretty, pretty standard for for that kind of setup. What do totally. you do after that? What, what do you like? What do you like? How do you go about your your role? Yeah. So I remember a lot of it was both trying to figure out, okay, like how does this product work? So you're like actually you're, you're in the product, you're trying it out, which is like the most important thing as a product person to understand your product deeply on the different platforms, documenting weird things, nuances, bugs, that sort of thing. Um, but then also ensuring that the, there's clear communication about how the product works. So one of the big things that I actually pushed was confluence. So this is uh, not saying I, I advocate for confluence specifically, but at that time it was the, the wiki solution that I went with and it was like, rather than emails and Excel sheets, it's like that is where the product documentation lives. And anytime sales or marketing or anybody asks for product information, send you the product link. So I'm, I'm always going to, I'll send you the link. You, you ask me for, for anything, I will email it, but it's always going to be the link to this. So it's like, this is the latest X. So you, everybody's on the same page. And, and that's, that's the key thing with a growing organization where it's being sold sales, you know, and they have a big sales team, they're actively selling to lots of different mm -hmm. people. They need to make sure that what they're selling is, is accurate. It's, it's what actually exists. Um, right. So, so I think it was figuring it out myself documenting that and then sharing that so that everybody in the company was aligned on what we actually had and then where we we're going. Mm. You also built an app for parents from scratch. What was like what yes. was that what was that experience about? Like how did that how did that whole thing happen? Cuz that's that's a lot of totally. that's a lot of steps to take. Yeah, so I, I knew that entrepreneurship was always something that was like in my blood. Um, I, I had done some little, you know, kind of startup things in high school, and I just just had that. Um, my first, the, comp the first company I worked for for seven years was a, a startup. Really, I was probably employee twenty, and it went to about one hundred fifty. So, so seeing that kind of growth, that sort of like ability to to have a vision to push something forward, I really loved that, and so I knew that was going to come. Um, and so my first startup was called Wise Learning. This was right. in early 2013. Uh, just had my first son and thought, you know, that's the best time to, to quit <laughs> quit your job and <laughs> do a startup. Um, but I've been doing a lot of reading about how children's minds work, how they develop, some of the challenges that, that have been, you know, coming about with technology, but then also some of the, the things that we can see as solutions. And so the, the thing that I wanted to do was help parents build social skills, social emotional skills, um, and using technology as a catalyst, not as a replacement. So it's not like, here, go play this app and you'll come away more social. It's these are things you can do together. Uh, so using technology as that facilitator. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to use iPads because this was uh, 2013. So, you know, people are starting it, to get iPads in the it house. Took off, more it more. took off massively right at that time. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a good platform to start on. Um, I, I built it as a web app, um, partially because I just didn't know how to code, you know, native apps, and and it was a good way to, to be able to iterate really quickly because with native apps, there's there's especially on iPad, like the the approval timelines are, are quite slow. So that was amazing experience of learning both how to run a startup, how to yeah. build and design and get feedback. So it's like getting parents in, you know, like I would go to coffee shops, I would you know, pull every parent I could, get them on, watch them using it, get that feedback so that there's that continual iteration and, and trying to really like do that constant customer discovery. I think the hardest challenge I had there was CEO hat, which is like running the business, thinking about vision, how, how do you do things strategically? And then developer hat, which is like, I want to build cool features. Um, and and it's, yeah, I think I definitely could fall into the, the trap of like building more than I needed. There was definitely things I built that was like, 
well, we didn't need that or, or didn't use that, where I think I've, I've taken a lot of the things that I learned there, the pain, and replied that in, in StoryTap so we don't make the same mistakes twice. What was the, do you, do you remember the, the most awkward customer discovery session when you're showing, uh, showing, showing parents yeah. something in the app and like, what, what is this? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest disconnects you always have is you're like, you talk to parent, you kind of explain something like, oh, I totally use it. And then like, you launch it and you give them the link, they're like, crickets. <laughs> like, why? Why are you not using it? And, and what you learn is that there is a big disconnect between what people think they will do, what they the kind of aspirational self. It's like, you ask me, it's like, Sean, like, how many times are you going to work out this week? Oh, I'll right. go like three runs. It's like, am I going to? <laughs> <laughs> so there, there is a difference between what people think and what people, you know, say like, yeah, I would use it. and then the actual behavior. And that's why um, one of the key challenges with product development, especially in a startup when you're in this, these early stages, is how can you as quickly as possible validate that hypothesis? So you've got you know this customer discovery, but then it's like, how do you validate that without building the whole code out? So some of these no coding apps and you know doing wireframes that are clickable and, and whatever it is, is like, what can I do to show that there is something really here that people will use because usage is like the key thing. If you've got usage, right, like everything else will come. I was going to say, why did you? What did you do with an MVP sort of thing? Like, how did you? How did you approach that that exact part? Yeah. So, so it started with really talking to parents, right? So there's lots of like, how do you do this? Do you worry about this? Um, what? How do you use this device right now? How do you do this right now? So that's that's one of the things. Um, the other thing that you really figure out is there's a difference between like uh, they call a vitamin and a painkiller, right? A vitamin's like it's nice, I'll take you know that that, that will help, it, but but it's something that I'm going to see the benefit of in a long run. Whereas like painkillers, like this hurts right now, and it's very interesting because the parents who found wise learning the most valuable were parents who had children with autism, because mm-hmm. it was social development wasn't a long-term like, yeah, I can see that being something I want to work on. It was like, this is something we really need right now. And so it was very interesting talking to those parents because they were much more engaged. Like I would have hour long conversations with some of these parents, like talking about the challenges and how they're doing things and their resources. And it was fascinating because those were like such rich times. But as I look back, it's like, you know, those are the people that you need to go to for your, your early product learning. It's like, who are the people who are like, I have, this is such a pain that I've done something about it already. Those are the people who are going to use your product, not the people who think like that's kind of nice. I was interviewing one founder a couple of months before, and he said something that stuck with me. He said, like, you want to build products for people who are actually searching for a solution, not for somebody who like, oh, that might be cool. They're already like trying to figure out how to do something because that's that's like people. Some people say it's a 10x of the current solution, or maybe they're maybe it doesn't exist on the market like like in like in your case yeah totally that, that that's exactly it and and if i think about you know solutions like storytap it's interesting because again it, it's this new thing it's people aren't searching for like scalable video content for enterprise solutions it's um, and some people have you know one of our customers they actually were flying videographers across the country getting videos and, and from Sean, before before you jump in why don't you just in your yeah. words tell us tell us what storytap does um, because I mean, I did a high level, but you would you would do it much better. Totally, yeah. So StoryTap helps enterprise brands. These are large organizations collect video stories from their customers, their staff that they then use to help promote 
their product essentially. So that comes in a few flavors. There's video reviews, uh, there's Q and A video. So customer, like rather than sending people to a, a text, you know, page that answers their question, having video, uh, we're finding that driving down call volume for, for help desks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then even really interesting stories. So things like um, UCLA is using it for kidney donor stories or, you know, talking about the experience of an MBA grad. So collecting those and the key thing is these are, are prompted in the sense that we, we guide the story through prompts, but we don't tell them what to say so that there's still this unique flavor that comes out. So it's very watchable, it's very human, um, but it's it's not too long, it's not rambling, that that sort of thing. And, and, and you solve and, you solve that big thing of consent part, right? You just you have um, you have a seamless experience for um, for a company and for the end person because that I think consent sometimes comes into play. Where like where could you use that uh, video and, and the rights the rights um, conversation? Totally. Yeah. So what we want is the the people who record to feel very confident. So it's it's a white labeled experience. They it's in the brand that they know. Uh, they get to watch their video. They it's very clear when they share it that they're giving consent to the brand. Um, and then on the brand side, they own the video content, but it's also reviewed. So we have a mix of human and technology that reviews the content to make sure that it not only is good and can, you know can be shared on the internet, but it also meets their right requirements, whether there's legal restrictions on health claims or whatever that might be. Yeah. And you uh, recently, uh, you recently got 2.3 million or close to $3 million round. Uh, it was a seed round, wasn't it? It was. Yes. What are you planning doing from here? Like what, what, what are, what is, what does it look like from, from the product perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. So what we did is we bootstrapped till we got to a point where we're, we figured out product market fit. That was, you know, that's always a really challenging thing. And right. it's, it's this grind of like pushing, trying to figure out like we've got this thing that people are using, but it's like who most, again, this, this comes back to our original, you know, point is who needs this the most? Who's willing to, to pay for this? And then how do we find more of those customers and, and develop that market, but then also extend the product out so that there's there's more opportunities, there's more customers you can reach. And so we, we reached this point where we were growing really quickly and we said, we wanna keep this growth up. And through the funding, there's it's gonna help us do a few things. One is obviously expense sales and marketing, which is right. something that you do to, to grow, especially in a, a large B2B enterprise product, but then also extending the product so that it, it meets the requirements that they have, but, but just staying ahead. It's like, what are right. those things we can do so that this product is something that that they're like, I cannot live without. Yeah, and you um, also, as a matter of fact, and we didn't cover that, you initially started as B2C. Yes. What, what, yeah. was, what made you, what was the moment you actually went to B2B? What was that? Like, how did that, how yes. did that transition pivot happen? So, so we talked about this a little bit last time, but yes. uh, the, the core technology was designed so that anyone, your grandma, your grandpa could use this to tell a story. So telling story on video is the core of what our technology is. And it's still the core of what we do today because we believe that story is human. It's that, that thing that connects us all. And video is the best medium right now to share that, especially as so many people are online. So that's the thing that we've stuck true to. And, and I think it's really helped us because what we wanted to do is make the easiest solution that anybody can use to tell a great story. And, and we're really proud of the output, like 90 plus percent of the videos that come back are really usable, really watchable, and, and just really neat. And so we're super proud of that. And, and I think that start really helped get to where we are today. Um, the pivot came because 
though there was lots of interest, we had more more people coming to us and say like, we like that, but can we use it for our business? And that was a, a you know one of those moments where like, yes, yeah, there, there's really clear market feedback coming back that this could do very well as a B2B product. What was the reason, Sean, uh, bootstrapping is a bit of a nightmare in a way, especially for when you try to scale, if you're, if you're trying to scale your platform, you try to scale your product, um, what was the reason for you to actually stay bootstrapped for such a long time um, versus taking a little bit of capital and, and trying to grow it a little faster? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things. Um, one is as a B2B company, it's easier to bootstrap because each customer you get can give you a, you know a significant amount of runway versus b2c product where it's like the the amount of revenue and the amount of customers you need before you can actually like sustain your team is 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 quite different so it, it was possible two was uh, I would say, so my, my co-founder is a female and raising money as a female is different. Um, what we've learned going through Techstars and doing a lot of, you know, just, just, just research on this and, and live, like I've been part of these VC discussions is you are judged not based on what you say you're going to do, but what you've done. So, so there's a different level of right. kind of like expectation, which is quite interesting. Um, but. So part of that's just been out of necessity based on our company, based on you know who we are. Yeah. It's like we've had to bootstrap, but it's forced us to be really wise with capital and to really get like be tenacious in, in how we grow. We've had some crazy stories about you know getting close through to, to you know running out of money, but but making it happen. And those have really empowered us so that now that we've raised money, we are doing it out of a position of strength and with uh, investors that we really believe in. Sean, what was something I haven't asked you that you wish I did in this interview? Could be anything uh, product-wise, product-related, could be a fundraise, could be um, something on vision or something on your customer stories. You could pick pretty much any area. Or maybe final message you'd like, uh, you'd like to leave your audience with or our audience with. Yeah, that's a good question. Um... I think the you know we've we've been talking about a lot of different things, but at the core of product, it's you're building a solution for people, right? So the the technology just serves that, and and I think what we want to do is think about like as a product person, what are the things that I can do to ensure that I'm making the best. Thing for people and so that's staying connected to your customers staying you know connected to your sales team that kind of thing but then also understanding your technology team better and and getting them to the point ideally and it depends on the size of your organization and that that they can be advocates they can understand like on our tech team all the developers they understand they think from a product mindset and it really really helps because we're all thinking together like not just take this ticket, build it. It's how do I make this a better solution? How do I think strategically, creatively, um, because they understand the technology better than I ever will, mm -hmm. about how I can make this a better product for our customers. Where do you, um, I was gonna ask you, Sean, where do you stand on the Steve Jobs theory of uh, customers don't know what they want until I show them? Yeah, that's a good question. So I've, I've heard a lot of people compare themselves to Steve Jobs, but not right. many people are. He was a unique, unique visionary with a uh, both, you know, he understood the technology, but he was a genius product marketer. Like if you think about what Apple does is 
I was just looking at their their web page for the iPhone 13, and it's 13. it's like this yeah. mass. Like it was, if you look at that one page, it's got videos and and just the amount of information. But they take really technical things like nits. Like who knew what a nit was? Well, <laughs> Apple is able to sell you on the fact that you need more nits, right? Like they yeah. are geniuses at that. So so there's something there, and I, and I do agree. Like especially for innovative products, there there is something about like people don't know that, but educating a market is a very, very long and costly process um, that that I think is really easy to, under, to understate. Like, I have no competition is actually not always a good thing because it means that, right. well, nobody is looking for this. So like you said, you want to find that solution that people are looking for, but if nobody's looking for it, well, you're going to be spending a lot of time trying to, to drive demand. That's right. right? That's so right. Um, I think that there is a balance and, and there's ways to kind of bridge that gap, but um, I don't think that's where most people are. Hmm. An off-topic point, but I wanted to bring it up since you since you talked about the new iPhone. If um, on their product page they they emphasize this massive camera bump, this huge lenses, and if we were to go back to when they actually announced iPhone six, uh, they were trying to hide the bump. That was the first time iPhone had a bump, and they were trying very hard in their product marketing to not show it because it looked ugly. And now couple of years later, look where we are. Yeah. Well, I think part of that adjustment is people were not upgrading their iPhones as much. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert on the market or anything, but from my perspective, people were not upgrading. I, like, I think I spent had my iPhone 7 for four years. Um, <laughs> but one of the big factors that caused me to upgrade was the camera. So we're not really carrying around like, you know, phones anymore. We're carrying around cameras that have Absolutely. a computer and they, they happen to, to make phone calls that, that you may or may not use. So that I, th I think as you see them, like even with the iPhone 13, I was like amazed at how much more, like the focus was 95% of the camera. Yeah, yeah. And they made a they made a massive, massive uh, jump forward. But uh, we'll probably stop here because that would be an, yeah, yeah. an iPhone, an iPhone episode. Sean, but thank you so much for coming. Real appreciate your insights, your stories. Um, this was fun. Thank you. It's great. I come with a little bit of a different lens because I do develop and do product. Um, and and I think that, like, again, like I said, at the core of it is like you're as a product person, it's like, how do I build technology products right. that are that that meet a need? Um, and sometimes that's needs like things that people aren't aware of. But the only way you're going to do that is if you're tight, like, you know, the product, you know, this, the market, you know, who's using it, you're hearing that feedback, like, for, for, for years, I dealt with intercom, mm -hmm. like our customers messaging us in the intercom, and our, our end users. And I, I would judge the success of our product or front end UI, but like how many, you know, out of every hundred videos, how many people ask me a question? If I can get that down to like, you know, one out of every few hundred videos, like yeah. I feel like we're doing really well because that means that hundreds and hundreds of people are going through and just being like, I can do this. And this is not like, this is a very diverse group, right? right? You've got yeah. people doing v wax strips reviews and mm -hmm. MBA reviews and kidney donor stories. And it's like, all. so if you can do that really well, um, it, and keep keep connected. Like I think uh, Steve Blank, you know the guy yes. who who did this. The, the, he was talking. I don't know if he's doing anything, but like you know, when his book came out and he's talking about customer discovery, he said like that first company he was at, with the CEO, they're out selling. Then the next company, the CEO sat in his office and they totally got disconnected because they they didn't keep their ear to the ground of like 
what people actually want. Um, and it's easy to do. So, so staying connected to, to what people want yeah, and I, what you can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, 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 it's a bit unfortunate because I think uh, a lot of times um, companies try to, um, well, they, they probably get a little bit uh, arrogant. Yeah, if things have been working well, they're like, oh, you know, it's gonna be work, it's gonna work well. They keep their marketing away from customers too, and every, everybody suffers because yeah. like you can't engineer something you don't know. And people are so humans are so inherently complicated in their behavior. And like you said, we absolutely will you'd never imagine what they will do with your product, uh, or with how they will react to marketing the same way. Like a product yeah. is more complicated, yeah. I would argue. So like, how do you know? You have to, you can't. There's so many combinations. Yeah. 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 It, that's exactly it. And, and I think knowing the technology, so that's the other gap that, you know, we talked about, but knowing the technology is so, so important because, you know, even today I've, I was talking to one of our developers who's working on this really technical video thing and it's, it's really awesome. And he's like, Hey, Sean, did you know we can do this and this? And so I was thinking about it cause we could, this could be an additional feature that we, we charge for. And this could be something that we check for and you're like, amazing. So if you, again, bringing together product mindset, which is like bring, building an awesome solution and technic, technology, it's like the closer you can have with that, that like the synergies between those two, the better. Yeah, and not making too many, like uh, not making too many assumptions uh, as a product person. Oh, nobody's gonna buy that. Somebody's gonna buy that. It's all so difficult to know. Yeah. Like that's a, such, a, yeah. such a fine yeah. line. And the, the last thing I'd say is that the, the other challenge you can have is when you're working with enterprises, it's very easy for one or two key customers, big customers, early customers to really drive your roadmap. And you gotta be so careful and making sure that this is not a custom product that you've built just for, you know, big, big company X, but that you're actually building it for a market that's, that's much bigger.